around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southeach Command. What happened? Context Southeach Command. Delay that order. Context Southeach Command. This is the captain. Context Southeach Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Welcome to the show, Adam. <laughs> Thanks you, for you, having me, Ben. You've got beads of sweat on your forehead. The sweat of a man who is picking up dog poop with his bare hands. Yeah, and then wiping that same sweaty brow with those <laughs> shitty hands. <laughs> we got a puppy, Ben. The puppy is here. It's happened. The puppy has the upper hand now. (laughs) This is the third full day of Mm -hmm. puppy. And uh, just so much has happened in the last three days. It's really been been fun to receive all of the text message updates about all all of the highs and lows. The pictures you get are cute and great. The texts you get are... Awful and apocalyptic. <laughs> they really are. Tell me this: Are you going to exploit your puppy for the gram? Is the is the greatest Trek Instagram going to get some extra traffic this week because of uh, because of new puppy? Oh, that's a good idea. I should post the puppy. Post chief of the, the watch, puppy. post the puppy. Does <laughs> that make Bill Tilly chief of the watch? Guess so. Yeah, he has so many titles. Yeah, yeah. I want to give him more titles. Really. I, yeah, I, I want him to have like a business card from Uxbridge Shimoda that is like it's like a bifold. Like it has you have to fold it down to show all of the yeah. different titles that he has. Like the wallet full of kids' photographs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe that'll be his business card. Just a, a wallet full of kids' photographs, like the photos that come <laughs> in the frame. You know. <laughs> yeah, that would work probably. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm not great. I'll I'll admit that, but uh, but this is like the growing pains of a new a new fun relationship, right? Like yeah. my wife was telling me this morning that she's improving every day. Yeah, she's helping us understand her, <laughs> and this is just part of the process. Yeah, trust the process, Adam. Yeah, I can't expect her to be a fully formed pupper. Yeah, ready to do all the things right now. I I need to go through the the puppy boot camp of picking up shit with my bare hands. Everyone's yeah. done it. You did it with with your dog, right? Yeah, we got him as a puppy, and the first several months there's a lot of a lot sorry. Of did you say months? <laughs> a lot of poopoos and peepees in the house. Yeah, um, so the key I'm... is catching them in the act. You know, make sure make sure that they know that it's kind of an emergency and that they're at the center of it when that goes down. Yeah, that's that's good advice. I mean, there's it's been not a like lot about of catching scolding. In the it's act. just about getting them out to where it's appropriate to do it, like yeah. mid thing. Yeah, that really brings the forearm into play as far as a place to poop. Yeah, I, I do I kind of. I have, like my spidey senses are tingling though. That like a lot of uh, people that are like, oh, I know about X topic, and you're doing it wrong, are going to start weighing in. Oh, cool. So go ahead and add puppy to the muted words list on Twitter. I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you, man. This is, uh, I've seen this puppy through the, through the Zoom calls and she is a real beaut. Yeah, she's great. We've, we've had an empty house for far too long and it is now very full. <laughs> the, a, a wild swing it's taken. We're all full up over here, Ben. Yeah, I got a uh, I got a diaper pail that I can fill with with her poops. <laughs> that must have really confused the neighbors when that showed up on the porch. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like um, it's like when you tell people you're sick now, and you have to like <laughs> clarify, not with COVID. I've just got a regular sick. Like right, I got a diaper yeah. pail, not for a baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is uh, obviously nothing like a baby. And I am not trying to claim that kind of valor. Yeah. But it's been challenging. How do the barky across the courtyard dogs uh, feel about this development? Have they taken notice? 
interesting thing about Barky across the way dogs is that I'm not really hearing them lately. I think I think their owner went to work and took them with them. Whoa. So we're not really getting the daytime barks that we're used to around here, which I think is a good thing. But whenever we've heard them, my beloved pup, which I should name on the show. Yes, yeah, toss out the name. Our puppy's name is Ripley. The cutest name. Named after one of the uh, badassiest heroines in all of movie history. Yeah. And not, as every old who has heard the name says, Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> that is not what we named her after. God, I never, I never even made that connection in my head. Everyone who's older than us, and I mean, even if it's by a year or two, says Ripley's Believe It or Not. And I thought our what? generation was the Aliens universe generation. Yeah. How, was, how could it not be Ripley from Aliens? I was listening to Judge John Hosman recently, and he was talking about an alien action figure that he had as a boy mm-hmm. when it was inappropriate for him to have seen Alien. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that movie's inappropriate at any age. <laughs> yeah. But he's, a, he's several years older than you. So, like, you would think that... I, w- I would have guessed that anybody, like... 50 and up could maybe make that mistake. I would. Sure. I am shocked to hear that it's people slightly older than you. Yeah, I'm getting it from all directions. Always yeah. the explanation, which I'm happy to make because Alien and Aliens are great movies and everyone should know who Ellen Ripley is. I want to give you a gift, Adam, something that you can say to those people. Believe it or not. That's not what she's named. We didn't name our dog after a fake museum. That's not a name. It's a dumb tourist trap. Why would you think that? Believe it or not, you're fucking wrong. (laughs) Really? Can I, uh, I'm just going to snip that. And yeah. turn it into something I can play through a megaphone. Yeah, if you could like have like a shortcut to that on uh, on your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be great. Well, Adam, we got to get into this episode. This is another fast turnaround prodigy episode. Getting sure is not getting screeners for these. No, and uh, we're basically reviewing them in protest of that. <laughs> It's it's a classic Ben and Adam, we haven't asked for it and we haven't gotten it sort of... Uh, yeah, Feel, and feeling resentful. Sort of resentment happening here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'd think we recorded and edited the show in Seattle. There's, there's that kind of passive aggression happening here. <laughs> no, but as it is... It, we come by it honestly. We're doing this in L.A., <laughs> Yeah, a couple of super cool Southern California podcasters reviewing a children's show. Today, it's Star Trek <laughs> Prodigy, season one, episode three. This is probably why your your neighbors think that you got that diaper, <laughs> that diaper <Yeah>. can. <laughs> uh, I heard Adam's gotten into uh, reviewing children's programming for his podcast. No wonder he got that diaper pail. <laughs> its title is Starstruck. The fact that this is episode three blew my mind and made me mad. Because we were snuck attacked with the first two episodes combined last week? Yeah. I didn't realize that that was two episodes combined last week. I didn't even find the seam when I was watching it. Was there a seam? I don't know. It must have been somewhere. Yeah. But I guess when you do a, a two-parter you know, first episode on DS9, they, they're you never know, aired separately, right? I've got a suggestion, Ben. I can really get us out of production jail here with this idea. Okay. So uh, we go back into the project file for last week's Greatest Discovery. Uh Uh-huh. We just drop a razor right in the middle of that episode. (laughs) And then we release the second half again this week. (laughs) And now we have two episodes like we should. That'd be great because I I edited that half of that episode. You did. (laughs) Was that the first time we've ever taken an episode both ends like that? Yeah, we... uh, It it was uh, just like the end of Requiem for a Dream, the way we (laughs) did that last week's episode. Yeah. Just as positive for everyone involved. I'm glad that this is episode three because it means you have to edit it. Oh, <laughs> ouch. It picks up right where the last episode left off. It might as well have been a three-part episode. The way that the whole thing starts is a lot like how it feels to share a streaming service 
password or account with a bunch of friends that you're sort of close with. Right. Like all the your algorithm is fucked up. Yeah. Like I got an I got a pre-roll ad for some random Nickelodeon show. <laughs> Paramount Plus is gonna think I'm watching children's programming now. Yeah, you you blew it. You should have made like a separate user account. Like uh should have. We have uh, the Disney Plus streaming service mm-hmm. at our house, and we have some some friends in the neighborhood who have a, a young daughter who, uh, like, I just made her an account, uh, like a separate user on our That's Disney smart. Plus because when they come over, she wants to watch like Elsa programming. Yeah, and I don't want it to get in in there with my continue watching alongside my The Simpsons and no other things. The information superhighway show the average person what some nerd thinks about Star Trek. Hey, here's a question: You and your wife have different profiles on streaming services, right? Generally speaking, we don't. Oh wow! Yeah, this I imagine is a point of contention for a lot of couples in that, why don't you want the same profile as me kind of (laughs) form of intimacy? Yeah. Where I think that's bullshit. You don't want to fuck up your algorithm, especially if you have different interests in programming. I will say that on Netflix we do, and I recently made one for myself on Hulu, but more because I'm sometimes going for an older episode of Baywatch than we're currently Mm -hmm. on to like pull a clip. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I, it's more about not messing it up that I have to like struggle to use the Apple TV remote to find the correct next episode to play. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good strategy. Yeah. It's for work, babe. <laughs> I promise. I still want to be in the same algorithm as you. I'm Catherine Janeway, your training advisor. This is Hollow Janeway explaining who she is and what she's there for. She wants to know who the captain is. And Gwyn initially claims to be the captain, but following her lead, Dahl kind of self-nominates as captain as well. And says that Gwen is delirious. Yeah, I mean, nothing delirious about Gwen at all other than she being a threat to Dal's command. Right. I don't understand why everyone is just eating Dal's shit in this scene. What's your favorite food? And throughout the entire episode. This is a real bad look episode for Dal. Like, all, yeah. all, like overall, uh, like from start to end, Dal looks bad and looks like a jerk. Yeah. I think that it is like justified through character. Like, I don't think it's like bad Mm -hmm. scripting. It's consistent with Dal's belief system for sure. That belief system is very much in conflict with the Federation propaganda that Hollow Janeway or Holloway uh, shares (laughs) with them. Right. Which is uh, she, in response to a question, tells them all about the United Federation of Planets and what it's all about. An interstellar union of different worlds and species with shared principles of universal liberty, rights, and equality. Kind of the polar opposite of slave labor prison camp, I guess. Hmm. Uh, So kind of an intriguing idea to most of them. But Dal believes he sees right through this and sees the Federation for the... You know, new boss, same as the old boss vibe that uh, he imagines it to have. And this influences every choice that Dal makes for the rest of the episode. And it begins with, where do you want to go now that you're in space? And you could go anywhere. The pressure in the room is, well, this is a Federation ship. We should take her back home and get some help, get some defense. Like by taking the ship back there, our chances of survival increase. And our chances of having to face the Diviner alone decrease. Right. But Dal sees this as a, I did a bad thing and I'm going to get in trouble for it if I'm caught by the Federation. Yeah. Like like I stole this car, I can't just return it to the dealership. It's not how this works. (laughs) That's not how any of this works. So Dal sets them on a course toward a red point on the star map that Janeway has made and shuts her off before she can explain why this is a bad idea. One of the rare set course by color moments in Starfleet. (laughs) And then uh, they're going to take Gwen down to the brig, which is... A pretty, like, this is a kid show. This was a very dark moment to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that they that these characters are so institutionalized that they know only confinement as punishment. Yeah. That the first thing they do when they are free is imprison somebody that they're with. Right. Forced hard labor comes next. Yeah. 
I just watched this Colin Farrell movie called, I think it's called Voyagers. That's like Lord of the Flies in space. It's about like kids that are bred in captivity to like seed human life on a faraway planet and wow, and start Lord of the Fliesing each other en route. And, Was its um, working title Blue Origins? <laughs> it, it kind of a bad movie, I will say. Yeah. But having recently watched that and seeing this scene, I kind of wondered: like, is Prodigy going to get really dark and fucked up about what like Dal is capable of now that there's no one to tell him no? I'm not going to say no, at least yeah. from what we're getting this episode. There is this like lying is bad tension that conversation that happens on their way down there. Like, everybody else feels weird about the fact that Dal is lying to the ship and lying to them. And it's very, like, very special episode in terms of the way they're talking about it. He lies all the time. <laughs> but it seemed like it could portend something far darker, which I think would be a really interesting direction for a optimistic, futuristic kids show to, t to take a character. There's a creeping Machiavellian subtext to the thing, too, right? Like, Dal can only take power like power is only taken and is not given yeah and so once he has an opportunity to take it all of his instincts are to do whatever it takes to keep it but his instincts are bad like what yeah what example of this is that he is standing there talking to zero about gwen in the brig assuming that gwen can't hear him because there's a force field uh, right he's wrong yeah, it's not just Dal making bad decisions, it's Dal being dumb. And being naive, like he's not worldly in the way that you would hope the captain of a starship would be, you know? Zero is there to provide some really important context to what is happening here, I think, for a kid. Because if you're taking the scene literally just based off of the dialogue, Dal is projecting an air of confidence. Gwyn is someone who has screwed over the entire crew. Dal's confidence suggests that they are a great leader. But what Zero is there to do is to pop all of the balloons of Dal's confidence by saying in between all of the dialogue between Dal and Gwyn, just how unconfident he is. Yeah. Just how many doubts he has. He's kind of a fake it till you make it guy. Like his his yeah. thing about like, I don't trust this, the Federation, I know from experience. I'm very curious to know what his experience is, like what his life was like before he was in prison. If I mean, we weren't so sure he was a one of one as an alien, I yeah. think he were a fail son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like the implication is that they've been enslaved at gunpoint and not convicted of crimes to to get landed in this prison. And I think that maybe the the thing I'm liking most about Prodigy is that it is coming from a place of imprisonment is bad and unjust, period, mm -hmm. standpoint. Like, it, it is not saying, like, this is different from other kinds of prisons. It's just saying, like, this is not a good way to treat people. Though it did pull a little bit of a switcheroo about the reasons for their confinement, though, which I think are interesting. Like, I agree with you that that is the case that it's making. But mm -hmm. I sure did feel right or wrong that this was a prison and not a slave situation. Thus saying that they were in trouble for something, whether or not their punishment fit those troublesome crimes. I think that confusion is intentional because Gwen is was very much under the impression that everyone she was participating in keeping there was guilty of something. I also think if you're a kid, like, I don't know how easy it is to parse that stuff. Like, jail equals trouble for something you did. Right. But I think the fact that this, this show is coming from a place of none of these people deserved to be treated like that is, yeah that's the attempt to unwind that way of thinking it's yeah. kind of a, kind of a radical thing you know yeah so we get a, a cutaway to the jail itself and uh the diviner is suiting up putting on armor that presumably does whatever that weird lava lamp he lived in before does for him <laughs> so that he can go on an adventure to kill everyone i guess Guess so. I mean, you're saying he could have left at any time? <laughs> Why wouldn't the Diviner leave this place as soon as possible? This place sucks. Just wait till you see the pool. Well, Adam, you know how, like, 
a lot of the time you're in the bathroom, but sometimes you're not. Mm. I think it's like that. Like, there's probably like an interval by which he can leave the bathroom, but he's going to be back. I think that a scene like this paints the diviner as a pretty bad manager because I think you need to be delegating the work of the mine yeah. to someone like Dreadnought, and then you could hop on the ship and go explore the galaxy as you see fit. This be... is why the Diviner has such a bad attitude. The Diviner's not taking time off. Classic cartoon villain who has incompetent henchmen. Right, and a bad sense of self-care. In the galley on the Protostar, Jankum, Pog, and Rocktok get a crash course in the economics of the Federation. Money doesn't exist in the 24th century. Oh, hell, just forget all that and give me a martini straight up with uh, two olives. It's like Homek is yeah. what it is because it's about... <laughs> How the economics of the future work and also how the food works. I mean, the other comparison that came to mind was the Lost Boys in Peter Pan. And yeah. this is low-key the saddest scene so far in this show when Rock Talk is unable to and unwilling to try food that is not like what she ate in the prison. Yeah, this is pretty rough. She grew up in this jail? How old was she? Would Like, that's so fucked up. It's so, so hard to comprehend that mouth eating that bowl of food. It's just, <laughs> it's going to haunt my dreams. That Nagila mouth, it's not too late, Star Trek Prodigy, to get those teeth out of there and to choose a non nagilam style mouth for Rock Talk. I'd rather Rock Talk has a, has a beak. Why, doesn't, why isn't there a beak for Rock Talk? That's what mm. I'm going to ride for. Wow. A big rocky beak. Or big craggy teeth like uh, like the Chomper and Never Ending Story. <laughs> I think those teeth are more upsetting, to be honest. It's no good, Ben. Do you think that's grosser or the blue barf that Murph barfs on Zero in the next scene and it goes totally uncommented on? <laughs> Nothing is as gross as the Nutrigoop that Rock Talk orders. I think it is low-key the most spectacular piece of cartooning <laughs> In the entire show that I've seen so far, it was glistening and gross and, yeah. and like photorealistic. It was incredible. And yet somehow less unappetizing than the stuff that Jankum Pog is eating. I know. <laughs> but Jankum Pog is nasty, you know? Yeah. He'll eat that shit in front of you just to gross you out. Yeah. He's nasty as hell. He's doing feats of strength Ben style. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Zero and Dal and Murph are checking out the sleeping accommodation situation on the ship. Mm -hmm. There is a lower deck style bunk bedroom. And then Dal checks out the captain's suite, which is a really endearing scene, like, a, like an amazing moment of freedom for a character that has been in a pretty dark place so far. Oh, man. <laughs> Woo! I feel like this is the fork in the road of where a kid show and a show for not kids would be very different because the essential question that has not been asked by anyone on this ship so far is what happened to the crew? Right. Because we are walking around this beautiful ship, a ship that is fairly undisturbed. We don't know how long it's been empty. Yeah, there aren't we like all these bones or desiccated bodies anywhere. Yeah, we see all of these bunks, which suggest a pretty large crew complement. Yeah. It but, seems but like a big ship, right? Yeah. But the conflict with that is that, you know, the ship can run with just a couple of people. So I'm not sure what's actually happening here, but there is no curiosity about this from anyone. And I wonder at what point we'll get that. That's in like episode seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be deep into discovery season by then. Yeah. Rock Talk confronts Gwyn after this scene. I feel like Rock Talk is really the conscience of the show mm -hmm. at this point. And as sad as the scene with the Nutra group was earlier on, this confrontation asking Gwyn why she didn't help them when she had the chance was a real gut punch in its own right. Why didn't you stop them? And not really defensible from Gwen's standpoint. There's the, like, I was just following orders defense. Mm -hmm. And the, I didn't know what I didn't know defense. Yeah. They get tossed out, but it's a bad look for her. And I kind of think that they're setting this character up for 
some kind of moment of taking accountability for a bad mistake. Which Rock talks like, if you're done licking that boot, here's a bowl of Nutri-Goop to tide you over. And that is low-key the biggest fuck you Rock Talk could ever give. It's yeah, like serving yeah. Gwyn the Nutri-Goop. Yeah. Like, wow, Rock Talk, you really became what you set out to destroy today, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Nutri-Goop looks the same coming out as it does going in. <laughs> it sure does. Hey, this ship has two warp cores and a third thing, Adam. What do you think that yeah. third thing's going to be? Yeah, I don't know. I've been riding for backup warp core for years, though. Yeah. Why only one? Why ever only one? Yeah. It seems like... Yeah. like one is none, Ben. <laughs> a great, like, last-ditch weapon also. Eject the warp core. Yeah, absolutely. Detonate and warp out of there? Yeah. yeah it's perfect. It's amazing. Here's my theory of third thing in engineering section. Okay. If those are the warp cores, what is this? It is a protostar. It is housing a a little star the same way that the ship in Discovery in the Mirror Universe was. Wow. Some kind of power device. Oh, like the Mirror Universe Emperor's ship? Yeah, what the shit was that called? The the Chimera? The, the Chimeron? Yeah, something like Charon? Is it the, <laughs> the Charon? Charon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, put it's, our heads together on that it's the ship that has the kind of bad highlights that's always asking to speak to the manager <laughs> my own theory is this it is the event horizon drive oh okay. uh, that 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 folds space <laughs> they're gonna find janeway having clawed her own eyeballs out yeah uh liberacte etume <laughs> is coming for murph Wow. Yeah, they find Murph later, just totally flayed open in the six bay. But Murph's fine. Murph can be flayed. Yeah, Murph loves being flayed. It's the briar patch for Murph. Yeah. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I going to have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? 
Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So they they get a uh, a red alert, which is that they have encountered a black hole. That red dot was a warning. That's a no-go zone on the map. And uh, mm. the ship is caught in the gravity well, and they can't go to warp because going to warp in a gravity well is bad. This is not a great time for Dal to make a big deal about his authority, which he chooses to do here. But this is my ship. I control it. In a series of decisions and orders that are all crap. (laughs) They are the worst. And what sucks is like the rest of his crew doesn't know any better. Like they don't they don't have any better ideas. So they're just following his shit orders. He's like sucks. he's, He's like a populist that gets elected and then just makes mistake after mistake. But instead of recognizing their failure in supporting him as captain, the crew double down on that mistake and yeah. start believing dumber and dumber things. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. It really is. First thing he does is say, cut power to everything but thrusters. And that cuts Holloway and it cuts the power to the force fields down in the brig. And so Gwen's storyline kind of begins here. She starts her escape. And the first place she heads is where the escape pods are, which I don't think that an escape pod is really where you want to be if you're caught in the gravity well of a black hole. No, because the way that story ends is Gwen gets into an escape pod and then just goes right into the sun. <laughs> right. So, like, I feel like what they are going for here is that it's kind of like funny jokey that every time she tries to climb in an escape pod, it's getting shot out of the ship and... All I can think of is, A, it would be terrible for her to be in one, and B, now the ship has no escape pods. (laughs) And both of those are bad things that override the comedy of the rug getting pulled out from her repeatedly. There was one scene in here that was like a wink at the adults in the audience, which was when Gwyn gets into the one of the last remaining escape pods and there's a bear in there oh, yeah, and she yeah. sits down on its lap and like tries to buckle the buckle but it's just the bear arms <laughs> that was pretty good that was selling yeah. business uh-huh. and she says fuck even in the future nothing works yeah <laughs> this seems like of all of the consequences of Dal's actions the ejection of everything from the ship seems like the worst thing to happen they're all making, of their supplies are, are are sent into space they're making a a great ship into a piece of shit ship in a rapid way right now rock Tuck gets sent down to figure out where gwen is because they've noticed a power draw by the vehicle replicator the ship can make its own vehicles on a replication basis This was a really creative fight scene. In the classic martial arts style of like fighting in a phone booth size area, this is like that, except the phone booth is being built as they fight. Yeah, it was really cool. It kind of reminded me of the fight scene in the in the Lexus factory in uh, Mm -hmm. Minority Report. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was was great. Or any Jackie Chan movie where where like he's like jumping through shopping carts and stuff. (laughs) Right. Yeah, but it's like really dynamic, like the nano device that Gwen uses, like turning into a shield at one mm-hmm. point and like Rock Talk's arms getting like caught and stuff. Rock Talk is a very unwilling combatant. She didn't set out to be a violent person. She didn't like getting sent down to be the muscle. Yeah. And this is not Rock the role. Rock Talk's the bouncer with the heart of gold. Yeah, it's not the role that she wants to play, but also Gwen has wronged rock talk in a really serious way so it does kind of boil over and persuade her to really throw everything she's got at gwen 
Rock Talk isn't bad. Her mouth is just drawn that way. (laughs) I love the idea of a vehicle replicator, and it happens in such proximity to the jettisoning of all of the supplies that it sort of undercuts what an awful moment that was. It does, yeah. And I wonder, like, does the comedy of just ejecting everything play as, as just comedy to a kid? Because there are no consequences. Yeah, yeah. like kids love that. like throwing their toys all over a room or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The fight scene inside the shuttle bay is affected by decision-making on the bridge because Dal is like cutting off gravity in order to add power to the shields or whatever. Like he's up there giving crazy orders that he doesn't understand the consequences of. At this point, everybody's floating in the ship and two... Uh, space-suited anonymous people come on board and murder Chancellor Gorkon. Yeah. One of the gravity-booted people in there shooting uh, takes a shot at Murph yeah. and just turns Murph into into little blue globules. <laughs> <laughs> and they're blue to make the PG-13 rating. And then the gravity comes back and we see them splat against the ground. Yeah. Are we firing torpedoes? I wish I knew. This is the moment of desperation, though, because things are so bad at this point that Dal is finally forced to call Janeway back in. Yeah, I mean, like, chunks of the ship have been torn out by the rocks because the shields are down and Mm -hmm. all this debris that's in the gravity well with them is hitting the ship. And Janeway quickly explains what to do. They get gravity back, they get shields. Rock Talk comes back up to the bridge, having locked Gwen back up. And sees the uh, impending explodey star on the view screen. What is that river of fire? I watched this episode twice, Adam. I could not mm-hmm. understand what the techno babble was about at the end of this episode. In order to get out of this pickle? Yeah. I think it was more a metaphorical suggestion than an actual suggestion for a course of action. Because, like, the message here, and boy, oh boy, these episodes are going to be heavy on the message. <laughs> message! is that resisting each other is not how you solve a problem. And so their plan was to stop resisting the pull of this star and instead use its pull to slingshot them past it and into safety in the same way that they needed to stop resisting each other and begin working together. Yeah. Right? I guess so. Uh, I'm not saying that I believe any of that claptrap. I'm <laughs> I'm saying that's what the show is presenting as an idea. Yeah. It was also, I feel like, just kind of hard to see what was going on because they're so close to the star that anytime it cuts to the exterior, they're making it look overexposed in the art style. Yeah. And, and so I was just like, I can't even see what is happening. Like, did the star explode or did the ship just like leave where the star was? Do you think when you're writing for children's TV, you have a little more latitude in the does it make sense department? I wonder about this. I, uh, I know a few people that write for animated television shows and i kind of want to ask about this now yeah because uh i didn't feel like i was having those kinds of problems with the previous episode but this one i was just like i don't like what did they just shoot there was like a wave of Mm -hmm. red that was coming up off the thing and they shot it for some reason it wasn't it wasn't rock what was it yeah can you shoot fire and make it less dangerous (laughs) I mean, we're going to need to find out with the way that uh, climate change is working. (laughs) But anyways, they get away. They either escape the explosion or escape the star or something. Mm -hmm. Janeway makes a kind of moral comparison of this motley crew to the early days of the Federation when there were a bunch of different species and cultures and languages that needed to become a cohesive whole or at least learn to work together. Back when the Federation was started, it was just an excuse for a middle-aged white man to kiss green people. (laughs) You're doing a lot better (laughs) than we were back then. I mean, speaking of Kirk, I kind of think that Dal has some Kirky character traits. For sure, yeah. To him, so maybe that's where they're headed. Yeah, Dal and become Kirk. But if Dal and become Kirk and Gwyn and become Janeway, shouldn't Gwyn be the, the captain? I mean, I would be shocked if that wasn't the eventual outcome in <laughs> in as short amount of time as possible. Yeah. This is not tenable, this whole Dal as captain thing. 
Dell is a bad captain. He could be a good a good XO though. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. You could see Dell being a good questioner of authority if were a, an authority figure installed above him. Right. Who do you think is going to make that happen? No. I think Rock Talk is being set up to find some sort of goodness in Gwyn. And if Gwyn can possibly win Rock Talk over, I think you win over the rest of them. Right. And that may be how it is. But, like, I don't think Zero can do enough here to kick Dal in the balls as far as his (laughs) authority. Like, this is bad. Dal is doing bad at every turn. And it's not like they even need to be too concerned about the Diviner who is in pursuit like, yeah. they're going to destroy themselves at this rate, way before the Diviner shows up. Keep letting Dal make choices. Yeah. That's about the ha- most hazardous thing you could do right now. Right. We see a bit of the kitty working the mines when the Diviner takes off. I was wondering if we'd yeah. see that guy again. Yeah, the kitty stays imprisoned, pretty fucked up. The Diviner doesn't just have his own mining operation. He has a scimitar, Adam. Captain, are you seeing this? Yeah, and the Diviner's been using the crystals, the Chimerium crystals from the mine. Crystals! To power this cloaking device. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Scary ending to a uh, episode that almost took the lives of all of the main characters of this brand new show. Yeah, I mean, those are going to be the stakes every time, right? Isn't that... You know, I was going to say those are the stakes of most children's shows. Like, we've got to save the day. And by the day, I mean my family and friends. Like in a <laughs> Paw Patrol type of context. Right, yeah. But that is also what the stakes are in a show like Discovery. It is always the catastrophe could affect the entire universe every season. Right. This seems like more of a monster of the week kind of show that they're setting up here. Like, unlike Discovery, I think that there is going to be like a myth arc, but it won't be the main thing that we're dealing with every episode. Right. But yeah, Dale's the monster this time. Dale's the <laughs> major threat to everyone. Yeah. The Diviner wishes he could threaten them the way Dale does. Yeah, I mean, if we're paying attention to the stock of these characters, Dal is at an all-time bottom here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say Murph is neutral. Like, I don't think Murph has moved between last episode and this episode. Rock Talk maybe ticks up a little bit in her willingness to confront Gwyn. Gwyn probably stays neutral, too. She didn't really do much besides try to escape. I'd say yeah. few of the characters changed very much this episode. In the argot of crypto bros, would you say that Rock Talk is the only one that we're going to hodl right now? <laughs> Man, I don't even know what that means. It's, I think it just comes I'm from... I'm so not a crypto bro. I like All I know is, is Dogecoin. That, that's my only <laughs> reference. That's your only pull. Yeah. Ethereum, NFT, that, yeah, climate I, change. I, I get those. Yeah. Elon Musk. (laughs) Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, there were some themes that are emerging in this episode that I think are very interesting themes, and I'm curious to see how they deal with them. I felt like the dilemma and the solution to that dilemma felt a little bit stapled on to Mm -hmm. themes that I actually think are interesting. Like, I kind of kept wondering about the... Is this Lord of the Flies in space or is it Peter Pan in space thing? Yeah. A lot more than I was wondering about. It can our... only be one of those. Well, I I think that that's an interesting spectrum to play within. And yeah. I, I like didn't really care about the, the black hole. Like, give me a break. Do something interesting if you've got right. a show. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing what the serving size was truly meant to be this yeah. time around. It felt difficult to judge last week's episodes for it. Mm -hmm. Because it was so unusual in that way. But this time around, we got the serving size that it's going to be going forward and the level of sophistication that it's going to have going forward. And now I'm feeling like I've calibrated my expectations to what it is (laughs) in a way that that makes it perfectly enjoyable. A, A buddy of mine called last night, and you know this about me, I'm not picking up the phone hardly ever. If I can help it. Yeah. But it me makes and this... it, it makes it maddening to be your business partner. <laughs> I'm picking up the phone with you, Ben. And <laughs> and with uh, with many of my friends that we talk exclusively via text with, we have kind of a policy where if I'm calling, it's important. Mm-hmm. 
So this friend called last night and obviously I picked up because I thought it was important. And this friend put his kids on the phone and they said that they had just watched the first two episodes of Prodigy and they loved it. Oh, cool. They loved it so much. And these kids are like Star Wars kids. They are obsessed with Star Wars. Uh, You hate to hear things like that. I know. So maybe they've got a chance now. But it delighted me to hear how much they liked Prodigy and all of the details they enjoyed about it. And it made me feel great that there is now a starting point for a kiddo here in the universe. Yeah. And I think that's what you need if you want this. It's disgusting to say the word franchise, but like I want this world to go on and survive and it's going to take new viewers to do it. Yeah. To keep it growing. And that really made me happy. That is heartwarming, Adam. You want to see if there's anything heartwarming in the Priority One inbox? When has that ever happened? (laughs) Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, our first P1 here is from Brad, Autumn, Sam, Ben T, and John M. And it's to Adam and Lauren. Sounds like a bunch of the best friends of DeSoto right there. Sure does. Goes like this. We cannot wait to someday, along with Ben and Adam, teach your child about John Mahoney at Compass Rose, (laughs) Club Bangers with Alex, how to hold down a huppa in a New Mexico storm, the words to the Tim's Lim song, and why Star Trek is near to our hearts. You're already amazing people individually and together, so we know you'll be amazing parents. Wow. Whoa. Congratulations, Adam and Lauren. That's huge. Did you know this already, Adam? I gotta admit I knew about this. Our pals Adam and Lauren had a baby Adam being one of the great friends of DeSoto Out in Washington D.C. And this message from uh, the rest of our great friends of DeSoto In Washington D.C. Man, congratulations, amazing Their baby is why I have not been riding The Peloton bike with Adam as much as I used to Mm. Because Adam and Sam And I used to have a nice little thing going Every Saturday morning (laughs) But now uh, the baby makes that very difficult Yeah, You got a puppy, he's got a baby Poo on the floor everywhere Yeah. (laughs) Not a lot of time to get on that bike. Poop from coast to coast. (laughs) Yeah, well, congratulations to Adam and Lauren. Really excited for the both of them. Very sure that uh, they're going to be great parents to this new baby. So congratulations to them. And if you're, uh, I don't know how early it is to introduce them to Star Trek Prodigy, but maybe now? Yeah, probably. You want to go... Bottle to Prodigy to bottle again. It's the bottle to Prodigy pipeline. Right. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It's from Ryan from Sacktown. And it is to Ben and Adam. Hey, that's us. The message goes like this. Thanks so much for a fantastic season of The Greatest Discovery, covering my favorite new Star Trek series, Lower Decks. Love that show. And your coverage is always great. Helps me notice the little stuff I might not see otherwise. Hope to see you at a live show someday. Thanks, Brian from Sacktown. We hope to be out on the road soon, and I think we're going to be announcing some dates in the not-too-distant future. So uh, if anybody is interested in live shows with Ben and Adam, the best way to get that info is go to gach.biz slash mail Mm. and sign up for our mailing list, because that'll be the first place that announcement goes out. I'm going to go ahead and sign up for that mailing list, knowing that that will be how I hear about the tour dates. (laughs) I always like to spring them on you after I tell the friends of DeSoto. It's because I don't pick up the phone, Ben. (laughs) I did it to myself. If you'd like to send a P1, you could do it. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, sign up there. This show could use your support, and that's a great way to do it. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? I think it's got to be Dal this time for me. You know, one of the things that is the the least relatable about his character to me is that he's brimming with (laughs) self-confidence. Like, he'll walk into a room and be like, this is my ship. I'm captain. Right. I would walk on board that ship and ask permission from the hologram to pick a bunk bed, you know? Right. So the combination of confidence and incompetence being the danger that it is makes him my Edward Larkin. The combination of confidence, incompetence, and incontinence <laughs> is often is often where I'm at. Pick two, Ben. 
I'm with you on Dal, but something I wanted to interrogate about him, W slash R slash T, Edward Larkin and Shimoda Mm. and Jim Shimoda himself was like the degree to which there is harm being intended. Jim Shimoda never intended the harm he was doing on the D back then. Edward Larkin seems a far closer analog to Dal here than maybe anyone else because Larkin's in it for himself in the way that Dal is. Yeah, I mean, Dal, interestingly, is the only character in this episode that is depicted as having fun. I guess I guess Jenkum Pog has fun at mm-hmm. the replicator, but Dal's little moment in the captain's quarters was a kind of selfish type of fun that I don't feel like is very endearing. Right. Like, you can understand why that is fun for him, but it's also, like, a scene where he, like, slams the door on zero, you know? It's a real lack of being able to read the room that can usually only be measured in Barclays, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, Star Trek is often a show where the episode feels like a little bit of a light morality play. Mm -hmm. And that's also something that is often true of children's programming. And I think it's kind of interesting that this character is being made as unlikable as he is right now, because I'm sure that some comeuppance or big grand realization is coming for him. But right now it feels like they are digging the hole. Oh, yeah. Hard to imagine how much more digging there is to do here. (laughs) I mean, how much worse could Dal do besides killing Murph or something? He tried to when he flayed Murph, but uh, that that was just fine by Murph. You don't want to see Murph's log from this episode. <laughs> this is a totally horrible montage of grotesqueries. Yeah. All right, Adam, that just about does it for this episode of The Greatest Discovery. We will be back next week with another Star Trek Prodigy episode, possibly some comics, right? Yeah, I think that's the case. For right now, though, we're going to get some of the best credits I know I've ever heard. Oh. By the best creditsman in the game. I'm, I'm just trying, man. I'm just trying to leave it all out on the field. You know what I'm saying? At one point, I claimed to be the better creditsman. And like Michael Jordan in the Michael Jordan documentary, you took that personally. <laughs> I haven't seen that Michael Jackson documentary yet. But the one thing I do know is that The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Our music is by Adam Ragusea. Our music buddy, who is also the proprietor of a great YouTube cooking channel. Just search Adam Ragusea over there on YouTube. We're on Instagram and Twitter, at Greatest Trek, and those accounts are run by the Chief of the Watch, Bill Tilly. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, maybe recommend the show to a friend or listen to our other smash hit Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation. We just made an episode of that show that's especially intended for first-time listeners, So it's a great place to jump on board. That's at bit.ly slash tggwelcome, all lowercase. Okay, that just about does it for me. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.